Psalms. It's probably my favorite book in the whole Bible because it's honest. And there's a lot of, of maturity. There's a lot of interaction in the book of Psalms. Most people don't know this, but did you know that Psalms doesn't just have one author? A lot of people think David wrote Psalms. There's actually seven authors to the book of Psalms. There's 50 Psalms that are unclaimed, which you could have 50 more different authors, but there's no one designated as an author of those Psalms. So there could be eight, there could be 57. You just never know. But out of those seven, David did write 73 of those Psalms. In fact, in the Psalms, the Jewish people today will actually recite like Psalms, what is it, Psalms 93, Psalms 91, they will recite those three times a day because they have such a declarative power to break stuff in the spirit, to break poverty off a nation, to break clarity into somebody's life. There's so much of that. And I, I love it, uh, but I chose to really come at this from a different one because if you read the book of Psalms, you will find there are major themes and then there are minor themes. There are things God is shouting and there are things that God is whispering. And I think in the New Testament, he, even Jesus said, there are weightier matters of the law. In other words, it's not that nothing's important, it's that I want you to focus on this and not major on this. Sometimes I think we're shouting what he's whispering and whispering what he's shouting. And he is trying to get us in the same lane, in the same level. Are you following me? And he has this major theme uh, uh, that, I, that sticks out to me in almost every psalm. You'll find it, Psalms 24, Psalms 25, Psalms 37, Psalms 40, Psalm 119. I can go down a whole list of what I'm talking about here because I think if there's a distinct theme of the psalms that's a major theme, it would be to recognize and stay in the will of God. How do I have divine guidance in my life when I don't have someone picking up the phone? Come on, let's be honest, real life. You don't have Pastor Dust in every moment of your life. You don't have a small group leader that's gonna have every answer in your life. You don't need a band to back you up into your spiritual moment. What you need is to know the voice of God so well that you can recognize his will and recognize when it's not. Because the hardest decisions are not what is good and what's bad, it's what's good and what's God. And if you don't know the will of God, you'll be troubled your entire life. And I love the will of God because the will of God has saved me from some things. I, I don't know about you, but I, I have this visitor that comes to my life very often. It's called the spirit of stupid. And Erica, my wife, could definitely tell you multiple times where I have engaged with this individual and it's not worked out very well. Come on, can I get some honest people in church this morning? But I can, let me just say this, I believe it's the will of God that I'm, I'm here in this position, in the season that I'm in today. Had it not been for the will of God, knowing the family history that we have, and his will had not intervened, I could be a drug dealer, I could be a, drunken, a drunkard, I could be in jail, or I could be dead. But had not the will of God stepped into my life and began to speak a purpose and a vision, some of you ought to realize, and maybe I'm going to wake you up, but you're going to stay woke to the opportunity of the will of God in your life. Come on, anybody excited that there is a perfect will, that he has a plan? I don't care what you've read in the newspapers. I don't care what's happening in the company or what's going on in corporate America. Can I tell you, God is still on the throne because it's the will of God. He is not popping Prozac, wondering what's gonna happen next, right? He is in, he is all, no, he is the beginning and the end. He is your will. And so, I think one of the Psalms that better captures this is Psalms 143. And for the sake of time and to really pour out everything that's in my heart, I want to just read key verses in here. It's really just two, Psalms chapter 143 and verse 10. Verse 10, I mean, verse 10 just starts off with a bang. I mean, it ain't no ninja. It is like a cage fighter up in your face, all right? He says this, teach me 
to do your will. That's a good, we could have church right there. Teach me to do your will. Notice what he does not say. Teach me to know your will. Did you see that? I think many times the reason why we feel held back, the many times we don't step into something fresh is because we want all our ducks in a row. We want everything aligned. We want it on the calendar. We want all the money first. We want all the connections. We want all the blanks filled in. That, he does not work on that. He does not do that level. He does not work that way. Have you noticed this? The Bible is not full of people that had a plan. Have you read this thing? Like, I'm telling you, I have one nerve, and I'm reading, I'm like, if, if I was Abraham, you'd be working on my one nerve. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the, listen, hey, hey, Moses, go, or Noah, go build a boat where there's no water. Did you hear yourself? Like, hey, David, go kill a giant with no armor. Are you following me? Like, there is no plan to this. Sometimes you're like, are you just making this stuff up? Like, are you just coming at me? Are you on an off day? But there is a will. And he's saying, teach me to do it. That when I see it, when I recognize it, when I hear it, when it leaps in me, when someone says it and it puts a language to what I've been dreaming or feeling, teach me to do it. Give me the courage to step into it. Give me the wisdom to say yes to it. Give me the moment to crawl, draw a line in the sand and to do your will. Teach me. He says, teach me to do your will because he says, for you are my God and your spirit is good. This is interesting to me. I love how he's going this route. And then he says this, lead me in the land of uprightness. Then verse 11, he says, revive me for your namesake. I love this in verse 11, especially revive. This is almost where we could get the first word of revival uh, in a life. You hear that as a buzzword uh, nowadays. But he's saying, revive me. Put a, let, let me put it like this in our world. Give me a personal revival so that I can have a public revival for your namesake. That's really what he's saying. And it's interesting that the Hebrew word for name actually means realm or reality. What he's saying is refresh me so I can live like you do. Refresh me, revive me so I can live in your realm with your ways, with your resources, with your access, with your perspective, with your strength, with your insight. Give me this, revive me so I can live and be just like you. This is what it means to be in the will of God. This is the blessing that I get to see things from his perspective. Have you ever had a trouble going on in your life and then God just pulled back just to give you a bird's eye view and you saw the bigger, bigger picture and there was a refreshing that came because under, you understood why you had to go through this journey point to get to this life. Are you following me? Revive me for your name's sake. You know, when I think about the will of God, one of the greatest pictures you can see the will of God manifesting itself is actually in the cloud that led the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. Now, I'm, I, I promise you, I'm, I'm trying to lay a lot of foundation here for where we're going, okay? But allow me to show you the will because when he says in verse 10, teach me to do your will, could also be said, teach me to follow the cloud. I want you to hear that. When you hear, teach me to do your will, it's as simple as saying, teach me to follow the cloud. Do you remember the cloud? Allow me to show you. In, in, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, you find that this cloud forms as the Israelites are walking out of Egypt. What is Egypt a type and shadow of? The world. The world and what the world means, broken system, broken humanity. It is walking you out of your broken places. Listen, don't be ashamed of what's been broken. You're walking out of what's been messed up. You're walking out of what's been damaged. Your past 
past is not your future. You walked out of that. And this cloud called the presence of God formed. And whenever the cloud moved, the children of Israel moved. And it was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And if you did not move with the cloud, you could easily dehydrate and die in a Middle Eastern desert. But thank God his presence covers us from the heat of our day, from the heat of our emotions, from the heat of the attack, from the heat of the misunderstanding, from the heat of the judgment, from the heat of the critics, right? And so they they have this cloud. And it says that this cloud in Exodus chapter 13, 21, it says it went before them. The presence and will of God is already existing in your next week. Now, I want to speak on a different level for just a moment. What you will do with your life in 2020 is already there right now. What, you will, what your kids will do with their lives, what your grandkids will develop, what your great-grandkids will steward is already existing in the will of God. The only thing, I don't know about you, but this helps me because all I can do is mess it up. I just need to learn how to be in his will. Are you following me? It says that the the cloud went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel day or night. It don't matter if you can see where you're going or you can't see where you're going. When you know the will of God, when it's abiding on the inside of you, it don't matter who else can see it. It don't even matter if you see all of it. What matters is you know that I can travel when it's dark and when it's light, when it's bad and when it's good, when it's hard and when it's easy, when it's uncomfortable and it doesn't make sense and I have so many cynics on my back, I can still travel because I got a word called the will of God on the inside of me. Are you following? This, This gets me excited. The cloud played a significant role in the life of Israel, which means it plays a significant role in the life of us as the New Testament church. In Exodus 14, it says, as this cloud was journeying with them, that it went and stood in between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And to the Israelites, they walked around on the Red Sea. Remember when the Red Sea split? It says they walked on dry ground. But it says that the Egyptians' chariots, their wheels were coming off their chariots, and their soldiers could not march because the place where they were walking was muddy. You're on dry ground called the rock of Christ and you are walking in his blessing under the presence of God as his will is leading you and anything in your past, anything behind you is gonna get muddy because it's gonna try and catch up to you but it will never reach your pace, it'll never reach your level, it will never reach your rhythm because you have a will that's leading you into something you've never been. I'm telling you, the cloud is a great picture of the will of God. I love the cloud because it says to the Egyptians, again, it was dark, but to the Israelites, it was light. Your enemy loves to use confusion. Have you, have you noticed this? You know, I, th- I think sometimes we think the enemy's trying to kill me, and that is very true. That is absolutely true. But the truth is how he's killing Christians in America is not necessarily taking their life. And trust me, I know the numbers. I know the teen suicide numbers. I know the overdose numbers. I know all of those numbers. But what I am finding is that people are not necessarily losing their lives early. They are getting distracted early. And the truth is a distracted life is a destroyed life because at the end of your life, you live so focused on this out of the will of God, you didn't produce what he wanted you to produce. Are you following me? Don't let the cloud, don't let the presence become dark for you. Let it be light that shines in his life. Let light be able to guide you. I mean, I love Psalms 119. His word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Are you following me? We need the will of God. We absolutely need the will of God. Let's pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, 
Lord, I pray to, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak to this atmosphere, and I pray for a knitting. I pray for an alignment. I pray for a oneness to come on every man and every woman, that there would be a will that would just be inside of them, and it would look just like yours, that you would intertwine our emotions with yours. You would intertwine our skills with yours, God. You would intertwine our thoughts with yours. We want your ways to be our ways. We want your thoughts to be our thoughts. We want your effectives and your your objectives to be ours, God, that you would align us correctly, that we would walk in your will, we would see the church expand, we would see marriages be blessed, we would see promotion come on our family, we would see blessing after blessing, the goodness of God, and you would rebuke all of our enemies, both the ones we know about and the ones we were never aware of, because we stayed in your perfect will, in the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. I'm calling this message the center of his will. I don't want to be off to the left and I don't want to be off to the right. I don't want to be too far behind and I definitely don't want to get ahead. I want to be in dead center of his will. I remember one time I was at Christ for the Nations. I had my office door uh, closed. I had my assistant sit out there, and she's this uh, El Salvadorian, and I don't know if you know an El Salvadorian, but the majority of them come with all kinds of sass, all right? And so uh, uh, she just wouldn't put up with nobody. I mean, and, and she, it was awesome because she was a great forehead of flint like Ezekiel, right? She was just like, boom, right? And this woman came in frantic, panicked, and said, oh my God, I need me a pesker. I need me a pesker right now. Where's pesker? I need me a pesker. I need me. Where's pesker right now? And sassy El Salvadorian goes, what you want with Pastor Chris Folk? What makes you think you will walk up in here and be able to meet with him acting like yourself right now? You pull yourself together. What you want to meet with him? When I'm hearing all this go on, I get up from my desk and I do what any man of God does in this situation. I locked my office door. <laughs> yes, I did. I'm a man of faith in the lock. And so, I'm telling you, and then I put my ear to the door because I'm nosy. And so, so, come on, anybody else? Like, we know there are some internet trolls up in this room that if you could have a career, it would be that. They don't need a private investigator. You're like, give me five minutes on Google. I'm good to go. So I'm sitting there, and she starts telling this story. She says, I was told to come here because I was told he would pray for me, and he would tell me what I need to know. And I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, nope. Because I prayed that day, and God didn't bring nothing up that day. I mean, he, he didn't bring up, hey, crazy women are going to storm your office, and you're going to have prophetic words for them. I know he would have told me at least that. Heads up. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I would have thought some type of something would have happened. That didn't happen. You ever notice how he just causes these holy ambushes to come on your life? And then afterwards, you're like, oh, we talking after that. No, we're going to talk after that. You can't just be showing up unannounced up in my life. Like, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing the story, and I finally said, ma'am, please come in. Please come in. And I told my assistant, you're coming too. And so, so she comes in there, and she starts telling us our story. She says, I was at church 1132 two years ago, and I heard you speak. And I have listened to that same message every Monday for two years. I'm thinking this poor woman has listened to me for two years. This cannot, I don't know if this is good or bad. You know what I mean? And, and she said, and I was driving to work after being served papers by my fourth husband that I am going to get another divorce. 
and I feel like I'm a mess and I can't understand why I can't seem to keep things together in my life. I don't understand why everything I touch does not seem to hold itself established. Everything I commit myself to falls apart. I have a dream, it never happens. I have desires, they are not met. I have needs and they are never satisfied. What is going on with me? And I had to look at this woman in the face and I said, ma'am, it is very clear for me to tell you, you are missing the will of God. And she says, what do you mean? She's like, I go to church. I said, I'm not asking if you go to church. Do you know Jesus? And she hung her head like this. I said, you went to that one service and you listened to the same message for two years. I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I can guarantee you haven't been to church since. And she just kind of hung her head. I said, but let me tell you about the will of God. I said, the will of God sent a man named Jesus 2,000 years ago to die for all that confusion and all your unmet desires and all your untrafficked moments and all your dreams. That don't. He died for that so that you would be whole, that you would be saved, that you would be delivered, and you would be blessed. And not only that, he then gave you a Holy Spirit who would remind you of all of this at the moments you needed it. He even said, don't worry about the moments that are unexpected. I will never leave you. I I will never forsake you because when you're in the will of God, he, you are not an orphan. You are not uncared for. You're not unwatched. You are not unconcerned. You're not somebody God changes his mind about. God is not a man that he would lie. He is pure and he is holy. He watches over his word to perform it. And I said, man, the truth is you need to give your life to Jesus. She is weeping on the couch. My assistant's still sitting over there like, come on, do something. I wish you would. And I'm preaching Jesus. She gives her life to Jesus right there in my office. Come on, let's give God glory for that. Now here's the story within the story. In my mind, I'm thinking, you're gonna be sending crazy women up in my office and I gotta deal with all this. You're working on my one nerve, my one nerve. And, I, and this is, I said, Lord, I'm not ready for stuff like this. And you know what he told me? He said, you're ready because I'm ready. And it is my will that I sent this woman. And son, you're activated when I'm activated. Your heart is bleeding when my heart is bleeding. My emotions are your emotions. My thoughts are your thoughts. My ways become yours. Everything about who I am. It is not a carnal ready. It is, have you read the book? This is not a book of people who were ready. Have you read this? Some have the stuff you're like, water out of a rock? Are you serious? Ravens feeding people, that's gross. I'm a germaphobe, that will never happen. God knows my heart. Listen, I love my wife, but I'll never drink after her. I kiss her in tongues, but I will never, drink, uh, all of it, I'm telling you, but I will never, never drink after her. I'm sorry, I just won't do that. But I know the will of God. And it's not to drink after people. <laughs> anyway, I believe, I, I wanna give you a few things today about the will of God, because let me tell you something, it's about the cloud. Teach me to do your will could be, Lord, let me follow the cloud. And what I have found is that the cloud thins the crowd real fast. And I think a lot of times when you start purposing yourself, some of you who have just come back in a relationship with Jesus, or maybe this is your first moment to step back, can I tell you something? It's amazing how God's will starts working like that. I think sometimes, listen, it's amazing to me how when I was in the world, I could find 15 people to go to the club with, but I couldn't find one person to go to church with. 
It was amazing to me I could find 15 people to get high and drunk with, but I couldn't find one person to pray me through. Then the will of God stepped into my life and began to whittle my crowd. And the reason why he does that is because what he wants is his perfect will. His perfect will is not a selfish will. His perfect will is you're going to get the best life you can ever get, and you're not going to find it chasing down this relationship or going down this polarity or going down this path. You're going to find it dead center in what I have planned because no one knows you before you were out of your mother's womb before you formed as plasma I knew you I knew your passions I knew your emotions I knew your likes I knew your dislikes I know where you would live I know how many hairs are on your head right now I know what college you're going to what your kids are going to I know how it's going to get paid I know every class they're going to be taught I know every word that is going to hurt them and I'm going to heal them for it I know every word that's going to try and resist them and I'm going to make them stronger for it because I'm God and I don't change and my will is the best thing you could have in your life. You could, listen, you could frustrate your Christian life thinking your job is to tell him what you want. Well, God, if you would just take that coworker and, you know, drop him off a cliff, that would be really awesome. Well, God, you know, if one of my kids, heaven forbid, came up missing for a day times a thousand. Just like, you know, listen, I'm not saying it, but you've thought it. You understand why lions eat their young. I, I, I'm telling you. I have my oldest son here too. He's over there like, are you talking about me? But, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, he's been traveling with dad all week. Come on, give it up for him. Jet lagged and everything. But can, I think what happens is, is that The truth is you could take it, you could frustrate your Christian life telling him what you think you need, or you can take joy in following his commands, watching his blessings just constantly bombard you. That's his perfect will. And I think, I wanna answer three things this morning, three different questions I get talking about the center of his will, the cloud thins the crowd. Number one, how do I find his will? How do I find it? You know, the Bible tells you a lot of how, but not necessarily a lot of what. And that's not because it's an empty book. It's because the how is started in a relationship. I know how to have a good marriage because I read his word and I hear his voice, right? I know how, but who I'm supposed to marry? I didn't know that. I, I didn't, listen, I love my beautiful wife and I know she loves all this good stuff right here. We've been just celebrating 15 years. I'm telling you, I love, yeah, that's huge. I'm telling, for my family, that's huge, all right? But can I tell you something? I didn't know who, I knew how. I think what we, when we're talking about how I find the will of God, you'll find that, and I'm gonna break this down like a professor for a moment, there are two wills. There is God's general will for our life and his specific will for our life. His general will is that we would know him. Number one, you cannot know the will of God without knowing God. You have to know God. How do I know him? I'm in his word. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm fasting when he calls me to it. I'm worshiping like I lost my mind. I'm serving his people. I'm tithing. I'm giving of my talent. I'm I'm generous in every area. I'm taking spiritual responsibility of my office or of my school or of my family. I know God. I know his general will is to save men and women's souls. His general will is to wipe all the disease off of their body. His general will is to give you a blessing 
best life, not because you can have wealth and brag about it, but I'm talking about prosperity with a purpose. He wants to give you more than just a bank account full of cash and you got major coin, but you're still empty on the inside. He wants to give you his will so much that you are planting more than just churches. You are lending to nations like the Bible says. You are talking to palaces and telling them this is what we're gonna do for you. This is what I mean. Do you know, how do I know the will of God? It's in his general will. And along the journey of your prayer life, and along the journey of you reading the word, along a fasting season, it's amazing how specific he can get. There's been times where I, I remember I, the Lord told me, he said, son, or let me put it like this. My wife came to me, and we were living in Sri Lanka, which that's kind of accurate, but um, she came up to me and she said, hey, I feel like God wants us to start having kids. And I'm like, well, he didn't tell me none of that. And, and uh, so I did what any Christian said. I would say, hey, let's pray about it. That's the Christian no. Can we just all agree on that? When people come up to you, hey, let's pray in the church. Hey, let's pray about that. What they're really saying is, nope, nah, no, bye, bye, Felicia. Bye. That's like what they're saying, all right? And so she said, no, let's pray about it. Man, I prayed for two weeks. I'm in his general will, right? I'm seeking him. I'm praying. But then God speaks to me when I'm having a general moment, and he switches it to a specific will moment. And he says, son, I want to talk about your kids. Son, I want to talk about your kids. The next day, I want to talk about your kids. I want to talk about your kids. I'm like, Lord, let's talk about revival and how we're going to burn this fire all over, all over Sri Lanka. And the next day, let's talk about your kids. No, son, uh, Lord, let's talk about how we're going to plant the church. we got to expand the church. Labor's in the harvest field, Lord. Remember that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, do I'm literally dodging Jesus. I'm Jesus juking Jesus. I don't know how I'm doing that, but your boy did it. And, and I, I remember I'm sitting there. And I walk in on the, uh, on the fourth, I think it was the 14th day, I walked into the room I would pray and he shouts at me. He says, I need your son on the earth now. And I, I mean, I remember my first thought was, you ain't got to yell at me like that. Okay, that is so, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm special. And, and he, he said, I need your son on the earth now. I didn't need a, 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 a what do you call them things? My mind just went bang. When you have a baby and they tell you what kind of baby you're getting? Sonogram, thank you. All the women are like, sonogram. All right. <laughs> We've had four. You think I would know this? I didn't need a sonogram to know that I would have Elisha. Because he told me, I need your son on the earth now. It was a general rule moment that I had. A spiritual habit, a spiritual routine that turned into a specific will moment. I want to tell you, if you're committed to his general will, his specific will become a lot easier. You'll live with a lot less questions if you learn to do a general will. I think what happens is we got it backwards. No, give me the specific will, and then I'll start building on the general will. Friend, can I tell you something? That would never work. Because if you knew it, then guess what would happen? You wouldn't enter into the classroom to put on the spiritual muscle and the spiritual gains to handle the specific will. But what happens is God sees, okay, they're in my general will, they're seeking, they're strong, they're repentive, they're holy, they're carrying something. I can trust them with this. How do I know his will? Do his general will really well and you'll find his specific will. Here's another one. Oh, this is the second one. How do I know his will? I got three questions for you if you wanna know his will. Anytime you want to know what God's working on in your life, God, what are you doing in me? God, I feel like I can't sense you. What's going on? Three questions right here. Number one, whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. I think I've told it here before, but I'm going to say it again because it's my story. But I remember one time I was getting out of the gym, and I got this text message, and it said, yo, 
this Antoine. Next text message, this Darnisha. So I meant to reply, this is not Darnisha. But the autocorrect on my phone said, this is Darnisha. <laughs> I didn't have nothing else to do. So I said, and so he said, I said, it said, this is Darnisha. He's like, sup, girl. <laughs> so I had nothing else to do. So I was like, nothing. <laughs> emoji, 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 the whole thing. I did. Yes, I did. He's like, what you doing right now? I said, I just got out the gym. And he said, oh, I bet you're tired. I said, you know what I am? I want some good sleep tonight. He said, go to bed then. I'm thinking, look at Antoine speaking into my life like this. Tell me some wisdom. I'm going to go to bed. I get to bed, and I remember I'm lying there. When I'm in bed, my phone's by my, my nightstand, and I never answer my phone when I'm in bed. But Erica's reading a book. She's normally reading her Bible or something. And, and I remember I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to fall asleep, and my phone goes off, and I'm thinking, that could only be one person. I pick up the phone. Sure enough, it was Antoine. So I start answering the text, and I'm laughing while I'm typing out. <laughs> Just like this. And my wife says, who are you texting? I said, Antoine. She said, who's Antoine? I said, he want to talk to Darnisha. She said, who's Darnisha? I said, I guess I'm Darnisha. <laughs> she said, you're a married man pretending to be a woman talking to another man. I said, baby, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. <laughs> this went on for two weeks. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because I'm a good pastor. This man had no idea for two weeks whose voice he was listening to. I've watched a lot of people say, this is God's will. This is God's will. Not realizing it's the voice of another, or it's the voice of their passion, or it's the voice of their past, or the voice of a polarity, or the voice of another. I'm here to tell you, you need to know his will. And when you know his will, it's because you know his voice. Whose voice are you listening to? Here's the second one. How to know his will. What's he developing on the inside of you? You know, I had a math class in, high, in middle school, math made sense. Two plus two equals four. Four plus four equals, someone said three, stop. All right. <laughs> Allen High School is right there for crying out loud, okay? I, I, and then we get into high school and someone had the demonically inspired idea to add the alphabet to the, and I'm sure there's a teacher in here like, I know, I know. One time I had a small group full of teachers and I was teasing them like, why are you guys used to the devil to torture teenagers that they cannot sleep because all they're seeing is X equals Z and what does three mean? Who cares what X and Z mean, all right? Two plus two equals four, simple, right? They said, and knowing my sense of humor, they said, Pastor Chris, the reason why is when we're getting our degree and in our degree work, we have a, a, a portion of our degree work that's called mastering of content. What that means is we don't know the student learned anything of our material until not only can they give us the right answer, but can they show their work. See, when my, my, my uh, teacher gave uh, homework, he gave, do all the problems on page 173. Well, I knew I could get at least a 50 because all the answer to all the odd problems were in the bag. <laughs> Anybody else graduate that way? <laughs> There's a lot of adults that are like, that's the man of God right there. That's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth, right? But then those haunting words, and show your work. You're like, come on, man. Stop it, right? I rebuke you in Jesus' name. The reason why is when you're trying, how do I know his will? Number one, you better know his voice, but then you better know what his voice is speaking into. You have no reason to study the anointing when your marriage is under fire. You have no reason to study, I want to be financially blessed when you don't have any peace. 
What's he developing on the inside? Here's the last one too, when how to know his will, is do you want the promise more than the promiser? Because sometimes when we want his specific will, we want the promise. I want the breakthrough. I want the blessing. I want this. I want that. But we're missing the most important part, the promiser. How do I know his will? Those three things, I'm telling you right now. What's his, whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? I thought I was showing two hands, not two fingers. Oh, my God. All right. Whose voice are you listening to? What's he developing on the inside of you? Do you want the promise more than the promiser? And here's the final thing. If we're talking about the center of his will, I think this is so important. How do I stay in his will? You know, there's this, Jesus said, no one can snatch anyone out of my hand. In other words, when you give your life to Jesus, no one can take you out of him. He is so possessive in a good way. Not manipulative. He is protective and caring, nurturing and loving, that he won't let anything come and snatch out of his hand. But it does not say that you can't remove yourself out of his hand. How do I stay in the will of God? I've watched a lot of people start, but not stay. I, 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 I meet with pastors, leaders, college students. That's what I've been doing the last 10 years of my life, still doing it now, leading missions, me, college, and Orange County, California. I mean, shoot, thank you, Jesus, he called me to Orange County. I'm telling you, I did my time. I'm not gonna lie, I did my time. I deserve Orange County. I deserve the beach. <laughs> but I, I, I've watched a lot of them go, well, and they play the God card. It's what I call the God card. Well, God said, and I've had to tell them, no, he didn't. I've gotten bold and said, well, he lied to you. That's not God. That's your God, but that's not God. I had this one little girl, she was convinced. I'm supposed to be a worship leader because their whole life, you're a worship leader, you're a worship leader, you're a worship leader, you're a worship leader. She could not sing. Uh, it was not a joyful noise. There was nothing godly coming out of that. I mean, it was like, just mute her mic and let her pretend to be the part. You know what I mean? Like, we've all done it. And so um, I, I, I'm the one that has to have this wonderful conversation that could potentially hurt somebody. And I said, listen, She's like, I'm called to be a worship leader. I said, I, I need to be pastoral and tell you this. And I'm not sure how, so I'm just, let me just say it like this. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. She looked shocked. She's like, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, could it be that you're settling because you're frustrated and you're fighting for something he's not given you? Could it be that you're out of his will? She broke right there in my office. I said, let's dream God's dream for your life, not what family has forced on you, not what friends have forced on you, not what culture has forced on you. What if you're settling? What if you're supposed to be the next pop icon and hold such a holy lifestyle in front of millions of kids, except you were settling for the box of a worship leader? And she just started, I've never thought about that. I'm like, I could tell. I think people need to understand how to stay in the will of God. How do I stay? Matthew 25 shares an amazing parable. There's these 10 virgins. Five are foolish, five are wise. The foolish ones, the reason why they are having the spirit of stupid is because they walk into a store and they only buy a lamp. And because the reason why is they know that their groom can come in the middle of the night and if they can't see, they won't find him. So they only buy a lamp. The wise ones, they buy a lamp and oil. And it says that the groom comes in the middle of the night and the foolish ones can't light their lamp. They're frantic. How do I light my lamp? I need to light my lamp. How do I light my lamp? And they tell the wise ones, give us some of your oil. Can I, let me tell you what this sounds like for the sake of time. Give me your prayer life. 
give me your word. Give me your spiritual depth. Give me the voice of God. Give me that. As a pastor, I can't give you that. I can't. I can teach you how, but you have to do it. Teach me to do your will, right? Give us some of your oil. And they said this, we cannot. There may not be enough for you and me. They say this, go and buy some for yourself. How do I stay in the will of God? Let me tell you how. Buy oil. You're like, oh, what does that mean? I don't get it. That's church talk. I don't, I don't get that. I'll tell you real simple. There's only one currency to buy godly oil, and that's surrender. There's only one way. The more surrender, the more oil. The more oil, the more authority, the more blessing, the more breakthrough, the more frequent. Perhaps maybe the challenge in my life has been surrendering. You know, when I left working for luxury car dealerships, many of you don't know, but I used to be the internet sales uh, director for every luxury car company except Lamborghini. We made financial goals that most people retire at, and we were only 21 and 22. That's a good place to say amen, I'm telling you right now. Then God says, sell it all, give, us money, give it all away, and move to Sri Lanka. W wait a minute. Wait a minute. I said, Lord, I, let me just take missions trips. I'll take all my vacation time. I started negotiating what? His specific will. I was in my general will. I was praying. I was searching. I was seeking. I was finding. I was being fed. But then he brings up a specific will. Next step, move to Sri Lanka. Lord, you know they're blowing people up over there. You know mortar shells are going to blow up down the road from my house, and they did. You know suicide bombers are going to bomb the hotels we stay in, and they did. Like, I'm telling you. He's like, yep, exactly. Move to Sri Lanka. We get there. Man, I'm so grateful. That season, Erica and I look back on that season and talk about how much it marked us. There are things we're living in today as a result of that season. Then I'm at, as a youth pastor, God says, Give, step away and, and go to see a FNI, which is definitely a promotion, but like our youth ministry was booming. It's kind of like what 1132 youth like lives in the whole time. I mean, it was just amazing to watch. God says, step away. All right, Lord, I'm bonded to your will. Then, this time last year, he says, hey, um, you're leaving CFNI and Youth for the Nations, and you're gonna move to where you don't have any family, you don't really know anybody, and it's gonna be a season of you learning and growing. I've gotta repeat some things in your life, but I've also got to start some fresh things in your life. Leave everything. You know, in a ministry career, career, like most people would, most people dream of my job. God says, leave it all. It made no sense in the natural, but in the will of God, it made perfect sense. And I'm telling you, I have a peace. I have a joy. There's a grace. There's a life flowing through me. All because several moments, and there's many more I could point to, it was all about the surrender. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.